from the NLRPD to KTHV to behind the microphone. It's Scott Romine with Guatney Unplugged. I totally stole that from Dan Bongino. <laughs> hey, my guest today is BT Carmichael. We have been friends forever. He was a North Rock officer, and he is now the chief of the Camp Robinson Police Department. Man, I appreciate you coming and doing this show. <laughs> it's good to be here, Scott. Man, Thank big you. time. Did you grow up in North Little Rock? No, no, I'm a Sherwood boy. Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. I grew up in Sherwood. I went to elementary school there at Sherwood Elementary and um, high school and junior high school at uh, Sylvan Hills. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I was on the volunteer fire department at Sherwood. I did all of the stuff there. And uh, it was always funny being a North Rock cop. And people would ask you, you know, this Sherwood cop? No. <laughs> I mean, they thought you worked with all of them. Yeah. We ride around together all yep. day. Yep. No, I know a couple of them, you yeah. know. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you if you were in trouble, if you got in trouble, you'd get to meet them. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> we we had a few run-ins, and I think I got taken home one time for violating curfew. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. it man. was it wasn't that bad of an experience. <laughs> what it, what motivated you to join the Marine Corps? You know, uh, back in 1990, you know, we were. Um, you know, it looked like we were about to have another war, and we did. It was uh, Desert Storm. We, yeah. we were in uh, – the time that I went was uh, September of 1990. That's uh, when I went to – reported to boot camp. And, um, you know, we were in the middle of Desert Shield, and uh, it later turned into Desert Storm, which didn't last that long. But uh, by the time I got out of infantry school, uh, everybody was b- returning home. So it was it was a very fast war, if, uh, you know, if you remember right. That's the one where we chased him back into Iraq, and that was the end of it. We That's didn't, right. We didn't follow. Yeah, he, you know, so Saddam Hussein, if you remember, he invaded Kuwait and uh, was uh, capturing their uh, reserve, their oil, and yeah. their gold, and everything else, pretty much looting the whole country. And, um, you know, it was up to the United Coalition, the United States, and, and all of our all of our allies to come in and uh, run them out of uh, Kuwait. And uh, that's that's what we did. Uh, well, they did. I didn't get to make it over there, but uh, we blew up every vehicle on that road. Yeah, pretty much times ten. That's right. And it was uh, very very much done by air power. Not I won't say air power alone because you still got to send in you know your ground troops, but uh, air power did win that war. And uh, yeah. it, and it was. Um, it was a uh, it was a big victory. We probably shouldn't have stopped at the at the border, <laughs> yeah. but you know. Anyway, <laughs> didn't end well for him. No, it didn't. No, he. Uh, you know, I guess that's what you get for being an evil dictator. <laughs> I guess so. Cobra <laughs> yeah. Commander. Cobra Commander. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How tough was the uh, Marine Corps boot camp? You know, um, it's it was it was not something I would want to do over. Uh, but you know, even now I look back on those days, and I, and I think any Marine that's been through basic training, you know, my son's a Marine now, and that's um, awesome. We, there's things that we would say if we had to do it again, you know, I would I would definitely do this, or I would do it all over again, and I would I would try to be the best, uh, you know, at this. You know, obstacle or you know, I do better on the rifle range or whatnot. But uh, it it was it was very tough and um, it was fun at times. But uh, and it was scary at times. You know, I mean, those drill instructors uh, they have a way of uh, really scaring the bejesus out of you. Yeah, I wonder if it's still the same. <laughs> oh yeah, it yeah, pretty much is. They uh, they hold on to the traditions of the Marine Corps, and uh, that is one of their one of their uh, uh, biggest traditions is the shock value when you come in. 
in. And I, you know, I told my son that, and now, you know, nowadays, you know, they can get on uh, YouTube and they can see videos of what it's going to be like when they yeah. get there. Oh yeah. And the, you know, I didn't have that when I went in, uh, cause it was, you know, it was a completely sh- uh, different shock. And my son, well, he, he looked at these videos and he's like, oh, yeah, I can handle this. I can handle that. It's not, yeah. a big, it's not going to be a big deal at all. And the, <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing is when you get to um, MCRD in San Diego, uh, the first, I guess, 12 hours you're there, at one point you have to call home and you have to read a script to your next of kin, your and family. And that's it. You, yeah, you have to stay on the script. And uh, so it is, you know, uh, and the, it goes just like this. Uh, Good evening, sir, ma'am. This is private, and it says your name. You know, <laughs> this is private, Carmichael. I have reached uh, MCRD San Diego safely. I will not be able to call or talk to you uh, for, you know, however, you know, however many weeks or whatever it says on there. And it also says I will write you uh, further correspondence indicating my platoon number and you know all of those right things. and you, you have to say all that but you, it's like you have to say all that with everybody yelling at you and you can see the videos they're all oh, on yeah. they're funny to watch here but when you're actually in it it's a different story which my son would find out because <laughs> we got the phone call and i put it on speakerphone so oh sure yeah, yeah yeah so you know my wife could hear it too and as he's reading this off it sounds like he's trying to say all of these things as he's being pushed out of an aircraft uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and set on fire at the same time oh, sure it's because he's just yelling it all if i could have had a ringtone i should have recorded that because that would have been a great ringtone for him when he calls oh, me <laughs> that would have been killer <laughs> oh yeah yeah it was it was what was your specialty infantry is what that was my job is infantry so um yeah after I got out of boot camp. I came home for 10 days and then went to the school of infantry. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what we learned to do is infantry stuff. Cause w- I would was, you be on a boat. Would you ride around on a boat waiting to do a mission at or times, you know, Marines do go out at sea and I've been on one, two, three, four ships, uh, before. And, um, there's not a whole lot for a Marine to do on ship. Uh, and you know, you, you know, you get up, you, you have your breakfast, you, you PT, um, you play cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to do you, that. Because the Navy guys, they have their job. It's like Uber for the Marine Corps. You know, we just float around and they take us where we need to go. Yeah. And uh, so it, it does get boring at times. Uh, I would find look to find a job. I was on the uh, USS Tripoli. And at uh, the time I was on that ship, it was a uh, sea mine uh, locator. It, it would locate sea mines and they would drag these Basically, it looks like a pontoon boat behind a helicopter, and they would find sea mines with that barge. It would blow up. Well, they would do those in training as well. They'd blow them up looking for mines. And then they would bring the the barge back on the ship, and they would have people weld them back. And I had a little experience welding, and I remember meeting with one of the Navy guys. I said, hey, uh, I'm bored, man. I need something to do. And he said, can you weld? I was like, yeah, let, let me help you out here. And uh, so, yeah, it was you, you just got to find something to do. Well, you know? sure. I just I didn't like you know laying around on the ship. I felt very worthless <laughs> until, we, until we got to where we were going, and then it was uh, game on. Did you <laughs> end up being like a reserve Marine? Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, so I was in uh, India Company, which is out at Camp Robinson or the Camp Pike area. A lot of people don't know this, but Camp Pike is the Federal Reserve area of Camp Robinson. It is is where the federal troops are. So that's the same property. Yeah, it's the exact same property. I didn't know that. But 
on the exact same property of Camp Robinson exists a Camp Pike area. And it's, um, you know, maybe 30 acres, uh, give or take, 30 acres. And it has the Army Reserve buildings, the Naval Reserve buildings, and the Marine Corps Reserve building. And each one of those are Federal Reserve troops. So whenever there's a, let's say there's a storm, like the tornado that came through, you know, the National Guard gets activated and they go and assist, and they have teams that do that even during winter storms. Now, the Marines, the Navy, and the Army Reserve, they don't get activated unless the president activates them I got for you. something. Yeah, so that's that's the difference between Camp Pike, Camp Robinson, and the Reserves and the National Guard. How so, long did you do full-time Marine? How long were you Reserve? Oh, I was, uh, you know, the initial, the initial time that I was in, um, you know, during the war, they held us out at, in a casualty replacement company out in California. So right after infantry school, we were, were retained out there for a casualty replacement company in case the you know the big show got really big. Yeah, uh, they needed some replacements. That's who we would be. They would just send you. Yeah, they would just, just you me. by yeah, yourself. Brick glass Commando. in case of war, right? Yeah, <laughs> you and John Matrix. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I my intentions were, you know, to go to college and. Um, you know, as a kid with ADD, it, 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 it followed me in life, too. I wanted to do so many things. And not only did I just want to be a Marine, I wanted to eventually become a paramedic, of all things. Well, sure. And I got my EMT, and, you know, I was, I was learning that, and I thought maybe that was the route I wanted to go, and, and ended up getting, um, you know, pushed down to the Department of Corrections. I started working down there my first five years. And, uh, you know, then I later went on and, and met you over at the police department. Yeah. So, um, it must be just a weird full circle that you're now the chief of Camp Robinson, the police department. That's right. It is. Uh, it, it, and you know, I, w- when I accepted the job, I, I was, you know, just uh, really humbled to be, you know, considered for it. And I, I'm, I'm extremely happy to have the job. I, I love it. Um, Law enforcement is, I, I guess, just going to be, you know, in my veins, and um, I can't, I can't get out of that. And I love, uh, you know, trying to, you know, shape new officers that we have. Now we've got a lot of guys uh, that um, have, you know, uh, been at other agencies, and uh, they come to Camp Robinson for, you know, whether it's a they're on the end of their career, kind of right. want it to slow down a little bit. Obviously, our operational tempo at Camp Robinson is not that high. Um, you know, not like compared to say Little Rock, North Little Rock, you know, those are, that's a high tempo area as you remember, and it's only gotten busier since uh, you've left. So do you uh, send guys to the Academy or are they trained? Yeah, yeah, we do. do. Uh, now luckily, uh, since I've been there, I I got hired in uh, August of 2022 and that's when I assume command, but I haven't had any, um, applicants, uh, we get a pool of applicants, you know, we look to see if they're already certified and we haven't had a shortage of certified officers apply. And, uh, you know, that's really a great thing because, yeah. um, you know, we would have to send somebody to the Academy. We'd have to do without them and we'd have that vacancy. And, you know, we have 10 sworn police officers at camp Robinson right now. And if, you know, d- dealing with the Academy now, I think the Academy is almost four months now. Is it really? Yeah, so um, that's having to do away with that that officer for four months until they get back. And then you have to train them and put them through the FTO program. It's always good to get uh, retreads like myself, somebody that's already been trained to come in. um, Well, you already know where the best donut shops are. Absolutely. Yeah, the discounts, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. 
course. Of course, there's not too many places that offer that at Camp Robinson, sadly. But, Probably uh, not. Yeah, anyway, the food's still good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think when you hired on North Rock, I think my dad did your background. He absolutely did. What do you remember about that? Man, uh, okay, I, I, you can talk to your dad, and he's got memories too, but I remember uh, getting set up for the the – he said, I need you to come in and get fingerprinted or something. Right. And it was part of the, all the security processes that we had to go through. Well, at the time, I was working as a field rider out at, at the Department of Corrections. Yeah. So I came in, and it was hot that day. I think it was in August. And I came in smelling like a horse. Your dad will tell you sure. that. Because uh, I'd been on a horse all day. And uh, I had my boots. I had my spurs, my uniform. I had horse hair on me. Uh, and I had my cowboy hat. This that's the uniform that we had, sure. you know, and I come up the stairs. If you remember the old uh, yeah. uh, Pentagon building there that we used to come, That's right. I come up the stairs and, and he heard the jingling of the spurs yeah. as I'm coming upstairs. Now, everybody else in my group were all in their suits, you know, because they were called in. I totally didn't know I was supposed to be dressed <laughs> up for this. And uh, I got let off early to come to the interview. And, uh, and of course, I told him that. And I was like, I apologize for looking and smelling like I do, but uh, I just got off of work and, uh, you know, but I'm here to make this work, you know. And uh, it, I think that's where we hit it off at that point right there. Oh, my dad told me yeah. this is, he thought all that was cool. <laughs> well, and good. he decided, I'm hiring this guy. <laughs> It was a cowboy show, though. Yeah, it was a it was a cowboy show, all right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, your your father. I mean, he is the reason why I got you know hired at North Little Rock. I had uh, I had applied um, at North uh, at Little Rock at the same time, and North Little Rock picked up the phone first, and I'm, I came running, and, and I brought my loyalty with me, and I was ready to give everything, you know. And uh, I'm glad I did spend as much time as I have at North Little Rock. I, I really miss it too, and all the we got great to wear the blue there. shirts for a while, the yes. light blue shirt, yes, and the bus driver hats. You remember those? Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> Do you know that I remember uh, you had to wear that hat when you got out of the car on a traffic stop oh yes that's right we didn't have vests back then you know but we had the cool hat we had the cool hats so the the hats uh you know would help you i guess navigate through traffic where somebody wouldn't you know run into you or whatever you whatever now you know you have to wear a vest as soon as you get out of the car doing a traffic accident oh, yeah. or doing anything out on the road you have to have your high we had cars vest. with no radios in them yeah uh, well i now I, you're you're telling your age a little yeah. bit on me because uh, i think you were there a year before me i probably. think so yeah um, i think i started february of 95 okay well not too much for, so i was um i was september of 95 so i was yeah not too a few far months, yeah um uh, I do remember that uh, one of the cars that we had, uh, you could see the the road going underneath you uh, from the, you'd lift up the floor mat and you could see a <laughs> hole in there. So we've had, you know, pretty terrible cars at the time. And I think the budget wasn't really that good for law enforcement back in those days. It has gotten a lot better for them. They have a lot of nice equipment mm -hmm. in North Little Rock now. But A nice building. Yes, yes. We have didn't you, have all have that. Have you been in it yet? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, That's it's full tour. It's beautiful. It is a it beautiful is. building. The bullet I carried in my pocket is on display. It's framed. Is it really? Yeah, yeah in the lobby. Wow. Yeah, and that's something. I lost mine. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You became a SWAT team guy. I did, yes. Um, and that was, you know, I, so when I got hired on, um, 
you know, I remember seeing, you know, all the, the guys back then, they wore, you know, the black. and uh, They change that often. Yes. Camo, black, Yeah, camo, green. tiger stripe, yeah. black, green. Yeah. You know, it, I've been through all the colors, you know. Sure. Uh, but I, I remember seeing those guys going out on a search warrant one time, you know, and I think I, I was one of the responding officers that had to get there first and or get there with them in order to take people to jail the, in custody and transport. Yeah, right. So uh, I remember those guys and watching them, I thought, Wow, because back in the day, you know, being you know a kid in the eighties, you know, we watched SWAT on oh, TV. Oh yeah, of you know, course. It's different than it is now, but it, it was you know SWAT. And I thought, wow, that is a real SWAT team. That is the coolest thing ever. I've got to be part of that. Now, here's the difference between then recruiting SWAT team members then versus now. Back then, you'd have one position and have maybe fifteen or twenty people try out for it. And now you may have 12 positions and one person try out for it. It's just not so opposite. It is. It, it, it is opposite. Uh, and, you know, they, you know, there are some struggles on recruiting SWAT team members for some reason, you know, that's just not really in it for these, a lot of the newer officers to be part of SWAT. Um, I, I want to ask you about, I always heard this story. You were a SWAT team guy 22 years I've always heard that Chuck Vereen, one of our friends, showed up <laughs> on, on a SWAT raid yeah. as Captain America. Right. Is that true? That is true. That is, <laughs> that is a true thing that actually happened. Now, that's awesome, so, by the way. The Avengers showed up. Yeah, that's that's the story. That's one of the stories I was thinking of. The and shield and everything? He had everything. Oh, so, that's awesome. So... <laughs> You know, and it was probably one of the times, uh, it was probably, it was probably at Halloween. Um, you know, like I said, we get called out all times. And sure. It, it never stops. <laughs> probably and, was. Uh, I remember, uh, now he was on the SWAT team, but uh, he was also uh, in narcotics at the time. And uh, so, but the nature of this call, it was a, it was a narcotics warrant. Uh, we had already secured the apartment. We had everything ready. We had people, you know, that were in there, uh, in handcuffs and we were ready to start, you know, shipping off to jail or, or releasing them after we got information, if they had anything to do with the crime. And, uh, we're, so it's, it's a very serious atmosphere, you know, <laughs> well, sure. to say the least. It's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a serious atmosphere. Sure. And, uh, I, I'm facing away from the door and talking. I'm probably getting information from these people. And, and, and I'm just, and I see them, all of their eyes go to the door. And I, I turn around. I'm like, what are y'all looking at? And here comes Chuck inside and his Captain America. <laughs> And he, he goes, he goes, hello, citizens. You know? <laughs> and he looks at all of us and he goes, gentlemen, is everything okay here? There's <laughs> <laughs> something to the effect, oh, you know? That's and great. It, it was like, uh, and, it was, and I think he said, don't do drugs, ladies and gentlemen. And, and then he walks away and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> the Avengers. Yes. Oh, yes. that should be in a Marvel film. Yes. You know, now Chuck's got a lot of stories. Uh, you know, he probably, uh, that's, that's one. And uh, if he's listening, uh, I, I know that uh, he would be sweating the other story involving the donuts. So anyway, yeah, there's a lot well, of people that know that one as probably well. Probably so, won't go there. Yeah, he probably shouldn't. Yeah, probably shouldn't. <laughs> it's but, a family show. You know, interestingly enough, he was the interim chief before me out at Camp Robinson. So he, really? was, he filled in, uh, you know, he was uh, on his last uh, few months in the National Guard getting ready to retire. And they had uh, the 
former chief had resigned, and then uh, they contacted Chuck to fill in out there, and he and he worked there for I guess six months, right? Uh, before I got, there. Uh, I so, got yeah. you, I got and, you. Uh, he's he's been great to be able to call and talk to and ask, hey, uh, yeah. I got this situation this? going on, yeah, and he's always good to give me advice on stuff. So it's well, he's Captain America, yeah, he's Captain America, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to listen to that exactly. <laughs> I got to ask you about, because it's such a testament to your character, this accident you had. Yes. You know, this is one of the only times, I guess, in the country that this has happened. Can you tell us what? I'll never forget the day. I'll never forget rushing up to see you at the hospital. Yep. What what exactly happened? Okay. Well, back, let me just go back in time here. Uh, November, um, and it was November 2nd, 2002. And, uh, you know, that's, that's some people would refer to that as an alive date. Yeah. That was, I guess, my alive date. My whole life changed that day. Uh, we were doing a demonstration for the Boy Scouts, um, and we were at Burns Park. We were doing yep. a, um, a simulated hostage rescue we had a, from a vehicle. And we had a vehicle. We had a simulated bad guy, simulated good guy, and... Um, we had an entry, entry team was on the ground. I was up on a grassy knoll or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I was behind my rifle. And um, the demonstration was to show how a entry team would rescue uh, a hostage as well as extract a bad guy out of a car. And, um, you know, my, my job as being on the hill would be to, to uh, if, if needed, I would employ lethal force uh, on our bad guy if he decided he wanted to try to, you know, hurt or kill um, right. you know, our hostage or, uh, you know, observe. And um, But the plan was drawn out that I would be, I would throw a distractionary grenade or a flashbang is what, you know, sure. it's commonly called. We call them distractionary grenades in, movies, in court. Die hard. You see Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah, everybody probably knows what one sure. is now. Well, my job was uh, to deploy a, a flashbang, and it would draw our simulated bad guy, who didn't know I was there, his attention up towards me, and then uh, then the entry team would strike and rescue the hostage simultaneously, pulling out the bad guy out of the car, putting him in handcuffs, and you know making the arrest. Right. Now the flashbang is a is a great tool. I even I still think it's a great tool. Um, but, you know, what it does, it, it takes somebody out of their OODA loop. Have you ever heard what a sure. OODA, yeah. you know, observe, orientate, decide, and act? So it kind of dis, it, it, it draws you out of your OODA loop for just a couple of seconds until you get your, you know, your proverbial stuff together. And uh, it, it, it is a very brilliant, bright light uh, from the explosion and a very loud um, uh, concussionary sound, which is deafening. It, it is very loud. Um, so anyway, the ones that we had back in 2002, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name them, but I, I think they may still make uh, distractionary devices, but they don't make the kind that, that, uh, that, uh, that was involved had. in my accident. Um, so what happened was, um, you know, when it came time, I'm listening to my radio. I've got a bone mic radio in. I have a ghillie suit on, and I am in there hidden uh, like a, you know, like I should be. And um, so I get the call on the radio. It was Lieutenant Mike Davis at the time. You know, yep. later went on to become a chief himself. Yep. And, uh, you know, he says, all right, let's begin. We start, uh, and uh, I pull the pin, and as soon as I open my hand to release it, it explodes. So um, 
this type of uh, concussion grenade, flashbang grenade, it had no portholes that would release pressure. It was basically a stick of dynamite with a smoke grenade fuse, right? And that malfunction. So there was no fail safes for it to uh, stop what happened. And what did happen was it. Uh, took my right hand completely off it exploded in my hand as it was being deployed it blew out my right eardrum my left eardrum my uh, bone God. mic radio and i suffered some burns on my uh my scalp uh from the explosion and uh, i remember you know as it happened it was like the scene in uh, saving private ryan when they're on the beach yeah that's you know? right kind of slow motion yeah everything slow surreal. motion you're looking around and you're like I can't hear anything, yeah. you know, it's just a roaring noise. And I, I look down, I say I slowly look down, but I guess everything is just slowed down, you know, and probably, probably really fast. But as I look down in my ghillie suit, you know, I'm seeing chunks of flesh from what used to be my hand. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then I, you know, look over to my hand, I see what's left, you know, it's, it's just, you know, dangling there and it looks terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad sight. And, uh, my immediate reaction is, you know, to call, give the officer down signal, which, you know, at the time was 931. I get on the radio and I'm, I'm yelling 931 and nothing is getting out. Uh, I'm seeing everything still going uh, slow-mo and slow-mo and they're still doing the, they're still doing the scenario. They don't know you're hurt. They don't know I'm hurt. And uh, because like I said, it blew out the, the bladder in the uh, the bone mic radio that we had. Oh my gosh! So that's how loud uh, it was, and so close to my ear when it exploded. And uh, so, knowing that that's not working, I, I begin to yell for you know. I'm like, "Hey, Mike, I need some help up here." I'm yelling yeah. help, and they assumed that I had went rogue with the scenario and was doing some kind of wackadoo stuff. And, uh, they, oh, <laughs> they, no. they ad- initially kind of didn't respond. And then, uh, you know, at, just a little while longer, they're like, Hey, we better go check on him. And as they, they tried to find me now, like I said, I'm hitting pretty well. They did find me and I was, uh, holding, you know, uh, pressure on my brachial artery to keep it from bleeding. And, uh, of course they saw it and then, you know, they, uh. they start freaking out more than I did. <laughs> it seemed like, um, one thing I, I did learn about that day is, uh, I, I don't pass out from pain. Uh, really? Unfortunately, I kind of wished I would. Did an ambulance show up, or somebody throw you in a police car? No. Um. So they did have an ambulance. Uh. They they called an ambulance to come, and um. Now the fire department was on scene. They were going to do their spill right after us. You know, for the the sure the, the scouts, and um. One of the main things I just didn't want them kids to see any of this. Yeah. You know, I was like, please yeah, get yeah. those guys out of here. I I just don't want to ruin. You know, maybe. Right. You know their take on law enforcement or whatever. You know these like are you things. seeing Jaws as a kid. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's like we're you know. talking about. Yeah, you're, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want that to happen to kids. You know, that's that, and I hate you know that that day was probably sadly ruined because of my incident. But they did move them out of the way, and that was great to, that they made sure that they got out. And I had really quick um, attention from the North Little Rock Fire Department. You know, they were there. They get me on some oxygen, uh, and they controlled the bleed with uh, you know trauma bandages mm-hmm. i didn't you know i didn't need a, a tourniquet it wasn't that bad um we got loaded up in the the, the ambulance and uh the, i think i got a dose of morphine and i remember um 
one of my good friends, John uh, uh, Nannan, came and he got in the ambulance with me. And and really, his whole job was to scratch my nose. <laughs> somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it because you know now I've got IVs in my left arm and, and my right arm is stable and I can't do anything. And they're pumping me up with some morphine to keep this thing from uh, really hurting. And my nose just continued to itch so bad. Oh I was like, I, somebody's got to scratch my nose. And that was his job all the way to the hospital <laughs> was to scratch my nose. And uh, I remember talking about it. I said, it looks bad. Then he goes, you know, he tries to be, you know, the, yeah. uh, yeah, well, you know, they do a lot of really great things now. Yeah, and, and, yeah. You know, trying to be nice, you know, and, and of course I saw it for what it was and I was like, oh, well, maybe I can get me a Star Wars hand after this or Ooh, something. You Terminator. Know? I want the good one. I want the real one. Yeah. Like, you know, the gold one. Luke like, Skywalker. Yes, I want that one. I yeah. want that one. You yeah. know, something really cool. Uh, because that exists, right? I mean, yeah, really, yeah exactly. it's got to. I mean, <laughs> so were there surgeries or what happened when you get there? Because I got to the hospital, but I didn't know if they'd worked on you or not. Yeah, um, yeah, and there were so many people uh, that I heard were, came to the hospital that day, and um, so yes, they transported me. Now, well, my wife Mandy, she was nine months pregnant with yeah. uh, John Thomas, our son, and um, I remember uh, that they, you know, they ended up. I was told later that they ended up finding her. She was shopping with her mother. They sent a car to pick her up. And, um, you know, it was kind of delicate on yeah, letting oh, yeah. her know. Cause I mean, she's nine months pregnant. You don't want to just yeah. spill the beans right there. It's you kind of want to walk her in. Back. Hey, we yeah. don't want to tell you that, uh, you know, Hey, there's a life threatening injury here with your yeah. husband. So, and, um, I don't think she initially was told what happened when, uh, they went and got her. I believe it was a Lieutenant, but I don't remember who it was that picked her up in an unmarked car. And took her to the hospital. And anyway, she got there. Then she was presented with uh, all the x-rays that would show, you know, what was left or what, what she, actually what wasn't left right. of my right hand. And the she had to give an authorization for the and the complete amputation of what was left. And she did, and she made the right call as, sure. she, as she does 90% of the time, you know, I'd say a hundred percent, but I like to pretend I'm right. 10% of the time, <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, they, so they, they did that. I remember them wheeling me into uh, the, the OR and of course people are running around, you know, uh, you know, if you've ever had emergency surgery, oh, yeah. I, I, you, you can imagine everybody's running around. They've all got jobs. They're like a, a pit crew and they, they all know what they're doing. And I remember seeing, um, on the, uh, they had the, the your, your, um, x-ray on a little lighted surface on the wall there. So they could refer to it, I guess, of where they need to cut and what they need to do. And I saw that x-ray and I'm like, Hey, is that, is that, my right hand is that right because i hadn't really looked at it, but now i'm looking at this x-ray and i'm seeing bone shrag fragments oh my and gosh this had just completely shattered this thing and i uh they did allow the swat medic uh to ride up to the hospital he was also in the ambulance and uh he walked into the or they let him scrub up and walk in there with me oh wow uh, so I'm, I'm you know i'm still talking to him and of course he goes yeah that is that is in fact you know, he would give me the full scoop a lot of people just didn't want to sure you know i mean it's yeah. i guess you don't want somebody to freak out right before you put them under and um and but he was telling me everything that was going on and he said okay they're about to put you to sleep and then you'll wake up here in a little bit and we'll we'll talk more i said okay you know and i just i was you know i i, I was i was scared i mean uh, that i haven't been scared uh, like the one time i was scared was watching jaws okay yeah, and, I yeah, and then that. And, and then the second time was uh, being wheeled into the er yeah. i was i was scared actually then i remember and, being in the room with you and i always thought it was strange i i, I 
Is this right? I, my memory is a Marine guy came in with something and basically said, you're out of the Marines Unfortunately, now. yes. While we were in the room. Yeah. I was sitting there with you. Yeah, his bedside manner was not yeah, very good. Yeah, it was not very you know, good. It was not. It was not. Like, well, can we not wait five minutes? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. just, you know, maybe, maybe you know, until we get out of here. Yeah. I mean, I just thought, that's kind of crappy. It, 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 yeah, it was. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, the hit up on that, yeah, after the recovery, you know, I had... You know, there was 100 people a day that came and saw me. Oh, sure. And, it, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, they were telling people to go, hey, look, he's going to have to sleep at some point. You know? The fan and club. It, I, it was su- – there's such a brotherhood. In, <laughs> yeah. And especially, you know, then Central Arkansas law enforcement. We had guys from ATF, you know, Jacksonville, Sherwood, North Little Rock, Little Rock, uh, and, and Maumelle, people all around came and saw and just, you know, hey, we're pulling for you, BT. We're praying for you. This is, you know, things are going to get better. You know, don't give up and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that emotional support was such um, a, a great reminder of, one, where I came from and, and, you know, at North Little Rock. And the brothers and sisters that I worked with, you know, I I got to that point. I basically told myself, I'm not going to let anybody down, and I'm gonna we're going to do something right with this. We're going to make this right. Oh yeah. And I just you know I didn't want to give up. But yes, my commanding officer at the time was in uh, the the hospital room with me, and uh, he said, "Oh, so your your whole right hand is gone." I was like, "Yes, sir." And he goes, <laughs> "He goes, what? Yeah, yeah. You you know you can't be a marine anymore. You're so, out." And I was like. Oh yeah, I was. I remember it, and uh, and I tell you, I, here in just a little bit, I'll tell you uh, the recovery was. You know, there was a breakdown, uh, and uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't actually cry at this age in my life, right, you know? right, and and um, but that was one that when I when I knew that I had lost the Marine Corps and I wouldn't be able to you know finish out my time, even though it was reserves, I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing so many different things. Oh, sure. Um, I, you know, that, that was what killed me. And I, I had a breakdown. It might've been the medicines that they were pumping me on after, like I said, we were, I were, I was in uh rehab at the time doing, you know, trying to learn how to use, sure. you know, what little I had. And, uh, I do remember I, I had, I had uh, Mandy pull over and, and I, I just lost it. I cried and hadn't done that before. Hadn't done it the whole time. Right. It wasn't that I was upset losing my right hand. It was I was upset that I was now not going to be uh, a Marine anymore. And that was, I looked at it as a building block for me. That was one, you know, and the police department was another building block. Sure. And when you kick out a building block, that, that whole building starts to crumble. And I, then I started to become more aware of the fact that there was a real possibility that I would have to medically retire and leave the police department. That was something that I really hadn't thought of at that point. But I'm like, if I can't be a Marine because of this, how am I going to be a police officer? You know, that, how will that happen? And what, what do I need to do to try and make it happen? Is it possible? Because nobody had done that before. The only person I knew that was an amputee was there was an officer at Sherwood PD. He had a leg amputation or he was born without a leg or something. But I do remember he had a prosthetic. Right. And he had went through the academy with a prosthetic. And uh, I knew that he was making it work. So, you know, we had uh, time Lieutenant Jim Scott. He was our um, public relations guy, the PIO, and, and he started looking at, you know, other agencies in America and trying to find out, hey, do you have any officers who, uh, you know, were 
have any amputations or anything like that. And he did a lot of research to try and find out if that existed. And I don't believe that there was anybody with upper body amputations at the time. Now, lower body, they were, there was some few as it was back then. And there are substantial amount more now I know. And so they did some research about how to accommodate you. Yes. Yes. That's incredible. Isn't it? It is. So Danny Bradley was our chief at the time, if you remember, and he was a very progressive chief, you know, and a a lot of people referred to him, you know, as a, as a big fish in a little pond uh, when it came to being the chief at North Little Rock, because, you know, you'd think somebody like him would be at a bigger agency because he was very progressive. But uh, I do remember, you know, as things were going on and I was trying to figure out a way with this, you know, prosthetic that, um, you know, I remember talking with him and he, he asked me what my intentions were. And I said, well, I, I, you know, if, if I can do it, I want to come back. Well, sure. And, you know, and he says, uh, I do remember he says, well, um, absolutely BT, you can do this. <laughs> uh, he, he said, if, if, but I, I'm going to have to tell you, I'm not going to make any special accommodations for you. And, right. uh, and you're, you're not getting any special combination. You're going to have to be able to do everything that a new officer who gets hired does. And as long as you can pass our physical fitness test and then are, you know, you can qualify. So now you're going to have to, you're going to have to go out and shoot a gun. You're going to have to qualify you're with your have, other hand. You're going to have to do all the things. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, that's a that's a tall work order, but I do like the outcome. If I can make this hurdle, uh, I, I, awesome. I and, and that support from him sure. was tremendous. Like I said, I, I, I will always talk highly of that support that he gave me. And it was like, you know, and, and I do respect the part that he's like when he said, I'm not going to make any special concerns for me that I wouldn't do. For, I can't do that for everybody. Sure. I said, yeah, I get it. I, I totally get it. I, I see the workload that I'm going to have to accomplish in order to come back. How hard was it to learn to shoot with that other hand? So I can't imagine. It, it, it was. And it, it, at first, it was not good at all. I, I remember probably a month before I got this prosthetic hand, uh, I went to the range and, and I still had, like I said, I had about four surgeries. And it's, I think in the last surgery, I had it wrapped up. I had an infection in the bone. Uh, I had to get a, a tremendous amount of antibiotics oh, Lord. to keep it from spreading where they, they, there was a possibility that they could chop off my entire arm if the bone, um, uh, infection got worse. Ah. So, um, Anyway, I was fighting that at the time. I remember there's a picture of me on the range, uh, and I've got this like a it looks like a uh, one of those little fanny packs people wore back in the day, and oh, it, sure. well, that's what it was. And it was a pump that pumped in a pick line full of antibiotics into my arm. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, it just pumped it right into my brachial artery and dumped it right into my heart, and it was a strong amount of antibiotics. So I had that pump on. I, I'm in my SWAT blacks. And wow. I'm on the range of this, my arm is bandaged up and I'm shooting at a target and I'm trying to learn how to shoot with the left hand. And, uh, you know, I went and shot, I went down there and looked at it and I'm like, oh my God, cause I've always been a pretty decent shot. Oh, yeah, I'm looking shot. at it now. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be easy. <laughs> I'm not you know? Robocop. No, this is, yeah, it's supposed to be easy, right? Yeah. So I, I get my target and I walk back. And I and the the look that my team gave me 
you know, it, it was the, I don't know, it's hard to describe on the air, you know, but it's one of those, uh, it's like, it's kind of a half smile and, uh, oh, you know, you'll, you'll get better. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, you probably see right through it. And I did, I was like, ah, oh, man, I, you know, I, I see, I see their concern. Just hold off. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of things going right now. Um, give me a minute. I'm what going one to, man can do, another man can do. I'm going to make this work. Yeah. You know? And uh, it out. so, yeah. Um, I, so that started the process of, you know, we had to start seeking a prosthetic. And, and I'm ready, you know, I'm ready for my Skywalker hand. And yeah. Oh, um, yeah. obviously I'm going to, you know, we're going to go get one. And I remember we went to Snell or uh, Prosthetics over in Little Rock. And Frank Snell, who's the owner of the company, he, he came in and, and uh, I'm sitting there with Mandy, you know, and, and he brings the, just like a, a catalog. Like a brochure. <laughs> it's a catalog of amputee parts. And he goes to the section where the hands are and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at this guy. It's a picture of this guy who's an amputee and he's, you know, he's wearing it and he's doing, you know, a couple little poses with yeah. this hand. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, absolutely not. Not doing absolutely, that. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not that guy i'm not going to wear that that's that's totally unacceptable i want my you know star wars hand and sure. i'm just going on to the next door yeah so uh, that started the whole let's look at prosthetics what what you know is real what's expectation you know what's hollywood why don't they have a terminator hand they do they have something i had one for a while really that's cool i did i had one but it's it it, it doesn't have the amount of strength that this one this one's an auto buck okay. uh, and, and that's the name of it how strong is that um it's pretty strong stronger than your real hand yes well Yes, and some things. Uh, it has a pretty strong pinch force. Um, and if I grabbed your wrist, you couldn't get out of it. It's almost like an instant handcuff, which oh, is really wow. cool. So That's whenever cool I would arrest people, you know, I would grab the wrist with this hand, and now I've got them essentially in a handcuff with that one. Now all i got to do is put a handcuff on the other one and match it up, and I've got them in handcuffs. That's incredible. But it, it is. And, but like I said, at the time, I didn't really understand how strong and powerful it was. I was looking for the Hollywood version of it. and Right. And and I'll get back to the Terminator hand yeah. that I had here in just a minute, which uh, it, it was really cool. It looked great, uh, made out of carbon fiber. It had all That's the cool awesome, stuff, it, but it you know it didn't serve the purpose for being a police officer. Yeah, and that was what I had to focus on. And of course, it didn't it didn't exist then at the time when I was looking. But when I got this um, Autobach hand, and it's made in uh, Austria, you know everything's good. It's oh, made yeah, in it's Austria, like Germany. You know it's yeah. like the Glock of sure. you know, prosthetics. So, um, does it recharge? Yeah, it, I charge it every night. You know, I put on my hand uh, every morning, just like everyone else. Just like everybody I'm telling else. You, Scott, yeah. it's 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 really you know I'm no different than anyone else. Didn't a lady with the FBI have the same thing happen to her with a flashbang? I'd heard that before. Now there were six officers, law enforcement, even I think a couple of correctional officers that had the exact same thing happen, um, and th I was the sixth one. And they pulled it off the market after it happened to me. Uh, it took six? It took six of us before they finally pulled it off the market. I was the only one to return back to duty. Now, uh, wow. It, it was just, uh, I guess, you know, everybody took their medical severance, or maybe they didn't have a supportive chief to allow them to come Where they back. could keep on. Right. Um, but that that did, that you know, that did happen. I was the only one out of that six to come back um, because of that it's faulty flashback. It's just a flashback. testament to you. It's oh, just you. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, you but, can't stop Rambo. Anyway. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come you on. Know. The Terminator hand. Yes. 
It didn't work, but it looks cool. It works, but it was it was so weak, okay, that I, I could walk next to a counter, and if my finger got caught on it or something, it would rip it off, you know, and then ah. it was very weak. And I had, I think I still have it. I even have it patched up with like some, um, like the Knuckles had a uh, fusible detachable link so if you did have too much stress on it it would break loose before you break the hand so i replaced those with uh, i think i used paper clips Mm -hmm. Uh, i've cut them and i used them (laughs) as the link so it wouldn't do that i tried to make it my own and it just it just did not work it was it was it looked really great and they made a lot of them and of course you know after you know uh the next iraq war you know there was a lot of uh veterans returning back with uh, the same style of injuries that i had and they, you know, were making, starting to make advancements in prosthetics. And uh, that era, I mean, unfortunately, war, nobody wants to have a war and nobody wants to see ve- veterans come back, you know, disabled. But it does spur the prosthetics industry into making better Something prosthetics, new. you know, and it, and it has all through time. You know, if you look at the first prosthetics up till now, usually a war is what sparks all of those things, that that, that progressive change into uh, the pro- prosthetic world. So there's something else coming. You've got to know that there is. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm really excited about what might come out. Now, this particular model that I've got on now, this is about the same thing as I've had 20 years ago. Uh, it, it took me... You know, Can you took, charge your phone on it or something or USB port or how's that work? <laughs> you know, uh, I do know of a guy that had a spot built on his that he he can put a, a smartphone. That's pretty smart. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, mine has made modifications. I've made modifications on mine throughout the years. The first one I had, it was really light. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look, it goes all the way up to my elbow, the prosthetic part. Right. And we were, um, you know, I did come back to work. Let's just... Yeah, go back. I did. I was able to come back to work full duty. Uh, uh, I was part duty at about three and a half months and full duty at four months. Have you went around and 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 told this story to groups or kids or so? Because this is very inspiring to to come back from something like you know, that. People people tell me that, and and yes, I would be I would be open to do that if it helps somebody. You know, I've always said that you know if if somebody wanted to hear the story of what you know me and Mandy went through to you know get back on top, and uh, you know I would I would love to be able to speak to groups about that. Yeah, and um, that's something that you know if it helps somebody else to to realize that you know there's if you just wait around a little bit and think things out, you can you can make something work to your benefit benefit you know and you know I, there was like I said getting back on the PD I, I didn't feel as you know it, it, it was difficult but um, you know and, and I, did, I never got off the SWAT team I had to you know basically try out again you know and they wanted to make sure that I could do all of the things that I was currently doing I, I had to go through sniper school again I had to go through and learn how to shoot left-handed left-eye dominant with a rifle again and be able to qualify as a sniper Left eye dominant, all the all the stuff. And thank you so much for coming on sure. Guatney Unplugged. Yes. yes. It's been one of You're our funnest episodes. Welcome. Well, it, I knew we'd have fun. I mean, <laughs> we always do. Yeah. Man, you guys go out and have a great Saturday. We'll see you next week on Guatney Unplugged.